Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to the second part of our series, Soul Care. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. Our opening scripture today, Romans chapter 6. It says, in the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so to obey its evil desire. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness for sin shall no longer be your master. Come on, somebody. Someone shout, I'm free. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Come on, somebody, grace. I want to call this message Healthy Foundations. Healthy Foundations. You guys can take a seat. If you were here last week, we had two basic principles that we went through that I kind of just want to bring back to our mind. They're going to kind of guide us through this whole series. But what we said was this. We said the basic principle of an unhealthy soul is self-worship. So how do I become unhealthy? Make my life all about me. If my life, my feelings, my emotions, if they are in the driver's seat of my life, you are on a one-way ticket to unhealth, particularly particularly soul unhealth. And so what we said then was the basic principle of a healthy soul was self-denial. And self-denial is not just this constant state of saying no, but more so it is saying that we learned this big word last week, flesh, the flesh, my natural inclinations are no longer in the driver's seat. If if I'm just following my emotions, my feelings, my flesh, I'm not going to be healthy. So to be healthy, I must learn to deny myself. Does that make sense? You guys remember that? little bit. So uh, last week was kind of just really an introduction. We're going to go a little bit deeper today. And as I just talked about the basic principle of an unhealthy soul is self-worship, today I want to talk all about ourselves. So it seems kind of counterintuitive. Don't worry. uh, Follow along with me. But What I want to do today is I want to go beneath the surface. I want to go a little bit deeper today. And so I love that song that we sang, Make Room, because I do believe that God wants to do a deep work today. And so we need to be open. And for some of us, today is going to be a painful experience as we go beneath the surface and start to kind of understand why we are the way we are. I have just a one-sentence kind of line for today that uh, I want to take us through what I want to do, because I believe that... In order for us to be healthy, I must understand myself. I cannot be healthy if I don't understand myself. So what I want to say is this, because we're talking about foundations today. The foundation of a healthy soul is built on self-awareness. The foundation of a healthy soul is built on self-awareness. You see, I think a lot of us, we're really good at understanding things at a surface level. Like, I know if something is wrong on the surface, right? Like, I know if I'm angry. I know if I'm feeling anxious. I know if I'm feeling sad, mad, whatever it may be. But a lot of times, although we can identify the surface emotion, many times we don't know what's going on deeper 
or why we continually seem to go to the same places time and time again. So what I want to do is I kind of want to use an analogy this morning, and I'm going to use it uh, for probably about three quarters of the message. So uh, hopefully it makes sense, and hopefully you guys can follow along. But the analogy I want to use for us as, as people and our souls, I want to compare it to my basement. So uh, last summer, uh, I think it was probably in June or so, maybe a little bit earlier, uh, our basement flooded. We, we live in Deer Ridge, and apparently that happens every once in a while in Deer Ridge. Basements flood. And uh, so what happened was, this is when Judah, my son, was kind of young. He was crying in the middle of the night, and so Christy took him downstairs to kind of console him and not wake up everyone else. And so 4 a.m., she walks down the stairs and steps into a big puddle of water. Nothing worse than your wife coming to you at 4 a.m. and saying, hey, our basement is flooded. And I'm like, where are we? (laughs) Nevertheless, uh, I called, uh, number one, our insurance, and then just the emergency repair people. I had to call a plumber to kind of figure out what was going on because by the time, like, I was awake and cognizant, we pretty much had, like, a couple inches of water in our basement. And so while we were waiting for the emergency people to come, what I did is I went to the church, not this church, the other church that we were at at the time, and I grabbed our baptism pump. This tank right here, because we got a baptism today, come on somebody. We empty it with a little pump. You attach a hose and siphon it at the back. So I went to the church and I got that pump and I put it in my basement. And uh, within like a couple minutes, like literally all the water in my entire basement, I had siphoned it through the window. And so my basement is no longer in crisis mode. The water is kind of sucked up and it's gone. Now, if I was to view my basement at a very surface level and not go any deeper, I might have thought to myself, the problem is fixed. I got rid of the water. The water is gone. I think I'm okay. And what happens a lot of times when it comes to our souls is maybe we've gone through some things. Like maybe you've been through a divorce or maybe you've been through an abusive relationship or maybe you've been just in a season of darkness. And so what happens is over time we begin to tell ourselves, well, I think I've dealt with the issue. Because the surface no longer looks like it once did because maybe we had some people in our lives, some friends, counseling, church, whatever it may be, and we are no longer in that crisis mode. But what happens is that unless we begin to identify the root of the issue, the problem will persist. The problem will arise again. Do you guys see what I'm saying? And so I think what happens, because we talked about this last week, is as we come to Jesus, that is the beginning of the journey, not the end. And so a lot of us, we come to Jesus and we hear and we sing these songs of freedom and life change and life transformation. Yet, I know a lot of us, if we're being honest, it's like, Harrison, I I consider myself a follower of Jesus. I've made the decision. I've been baptized. I've all of those things, but like I still struggle with certain things, be it anxiety, be it anger, be it lust. But what I want to suggest today Is it the reason that we can come to Jesus and our problems still persist many times is because we don't understand the damage that the flood does to our souls. You guys following? 
So what I want to do today, and again, I'm not done with this illustration, so keep it in the back of your head. I want to study Romans chapter 6 because I believe Romans chapter 6 can kind of help us as we begin to rebuild our foundation. But before we get to Romans 6, I'm going to recap Romans chapter 1 to 5 in 30 seconds. Now, if you've read the book of Romans, you're like, 30 seconds? 30 seconds. So, Romans chapter 1 to 5, two things that we learn. Number one, we learn that we need a Savior. That's kind of the first little chunk of Romans. Like, you and I, like, person next to you, you might look at them and say, I think they have it all together wrong. They need a Savior. You need a Savior, I need a Savior. That's the first part of the book of Romans. Then the next part of Romans is this idea of who the Savior is. His name is Jesus. And Jesus did what you and I could not do ourselves. He has redeemed us. He has freed us. We are no longer under the curse. I'm alive and well. Come on, somebody. Romans chapter 6, as it gets going and it keeps going, it goes a little bit deeper. Okay, like I know I need a Savior. I know Jesus is the Savior. But what does my life look like now? And what does the process of Jesus in my life in particular look like? Is it a one-time event where everything is magically fixed in my life? Or is there more? So, Romans chapter 6. We're picking it up right in the middle. So talking about how Jesus has defeated uh, sin. He, he, we're, we're now on the same boat. He says, verse 11, in the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So, amazing, right? I'm dead to sin, alive in Christ, amen, right? You accept Jesus, sin no longer reigns. Come on, somebody. Like, I'm, the old me is dead, hopefully gone. Verse 12, he says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. So, if you're an astute reader, this should make you pause for a second. Because verse 11, Paul says, I'm dead to sin. Yes. Verse 12, he says, therefore, don't let sin reign. So, like, do you guys see the issue? How can I be dead to sin, yet sin still has this ability to reign in my body? Like, it doesn't really make sense. So, I want to go back to my basement for a second, because I told you guys I'm sticking that analogy. So, some of you guys might ask yourselves, why was your basement flooding? Great question. And that's the question, to be honest, we don't always ask. Why is my life overflowing with these emotions that are dominating me time and time again? So pretty simple. Uh, in our basement, our sump pump died, just broke. And so the sump pump is the thing that excess water comes in, it pumps it back out. So when that thing breaks, the sump pump literally doesn't do its job, and your house just begins to fill with water. So in this analogy, the sump pump is Jesus. Brilliant pastor. <laughs> so, unless I replace the sump pump, unless the sump pump is in my life, my house will always be in crisis mode. It might look okay for a while when it's plus 20, but the moment there's any type of rain, snow, whatever it may be, it's going to flood. And so without a new sump pump, 
I am dead in the water. So I want you to understand this. Without Jesus, there is no solution to your problem. Whatever the problem is, Jesus is the answer. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That's, and that's really what Romans chapter 1 to 5 is telling us. And I, I've been debating of preaching through the book of Romans with the church. I'm kind of nervous because it would take six months, but <laughs> we might do it anyways. But whatever solutions you have been trying, like I've just been doing breathing exercises, I've just, I've been, I've been just cutting off all, like I don't want, I'm not going to watch porn anymore. So like I've got blockers, I've got friends keeping me accountable, whatever it may be. There's something deeper. There's an issue that is deeper and it's Jesus. He is what you need. He is what you are looking for. He's the sump pump of my life. You're not going to forget that now. But there's one more thing that happened in my basement. Because, you see, I siphoned out the water, so I'm no longer in crisis mode. I got a sump pump. So now whenever the water comes in, like it's, it's going to get siphoned out, so I'm good. However, the water in this analogy is sin. And the water in my basement, it left some damage. And what happened in my house is that they literally had to rip up everything. And like I had carpet, I had underlay, I had the thick underlay. Because I pray for hours a day down there, so I gotta keep, keep, gotta keep my knees good. <laughs> I actually can say I've never prayed on that carpet, so. Confession town. But what happens, and the reason you have to rip everything up, is because you, you can dry everything up. Like you can get industrial fangs, you can literally dry everything up. But the problem is that water and that moisture, if it's not taken care of, it'll begin to mold. And what happens with mold is that the longer that you keep it, like mold's not that dangerous right away, right? But over time, and like imagine you never do anything about it, this small little thing, mold, can actually poison us. And so what I want us to understand is that when you come to Jesus, come on somebody, the biggest issue of your life is fixed. However, we got some remnants from the flood. And so I want to throw the verse up again, Romans 6. It says again, I'm dead to sin. Right? Like, it's gone. It doesn't have the power because Jesus reigns in my heart. But he says, therefore, do not let sin reign. Literally, no longer let sin reign. So, in the way that Jesus on the cross, he did what you and I could not do. Like, literally, I did nothing but accept the sacrifice of Jesus. He did it all. But the next part is more of an active participation. Therefore, I need to be active in not letting sin reign in my heart. You see, the power's gone, but the remnants still remain. Are you guys following? You see, I said this last week. I'm going to say it again. The heart of God is not just that we be saved. 
right? We said it like this. God doesn't just want us to be safe. He wants us to be sound. To be saved, super easy. Anyone that's told you otherwise, slap them a couple times. Super easy to be saved. Not as easy to be sound. And the reason is that process of demolition, of pulling up the carpet, the underlay, the baseboards, it can be kind of painful. It can be kind of painful to go into our past and realize just how much the bad things, for some of us the evil things, affect us in the present. And so we resist the demo. We resist the up ripping of the old that I believe that God wants to do in our souls. And so what I want to do today is I want to help us in that process of demolition. Can I do that? And that's why I set off the top. It's going to be a little bit painful because I need to bring us to some places. But it's for freedom. I want us to understand that it is for freedom. So what we need to do today is we need to begin to understand the old me. I'll never have freedom. I'll never be able to live in the new version that God wants us to live if I do not understand the old me. You guys know the famous pastor, T.I.? He said, the old me is dead and gone. He's not a pastor. He's a rapper. He said, the old me is dead and gone. And I think that a lot of times, like, we live half of the T.I. story. But the old me is dead. That's scripture. But for a lot of us, he's not gone. He's not gone. And the process of ridding ourselves of all of those things is to go back and understand the old me. So I want to bring up some lies that I believe that so many of us live with. We don't even know that we live with them that are creating scripts in our presence. So uh, for most of us, the truth is this. uh, Most of the deepest lies that we believe are things that we learned very early on. Now, some of us, we have scripts from, you know, other parts of our lives, but I would say the most powerful lies that we believe are the ones that we learned when we were really young because our minds and how they work. And so the enemy, the devil, you need to understand this. Scripture is very clear. Like, sin no longer reigns. Some of y'all have been to church, and your churches have given the devil way too much power. Like he's God's brother-in-law or something like that, right? Like you have God and Satan's right there. Satan has no power. On the cross, he was defeated. Come on. So he has one strategy and one strategy only. It is to lie. That's it. How does a defeated foe have any power to lie? Because here's the truth. Satan has no power, but you better believe you can give him power. Look what John 8, 44 says. This is Jesus speaking of the devil. He says, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So the enemy, the devil, how does he work? One tactic, one tactic only, lies. He's lying to us, getting us to believe things that simply are not True, right? And a lie doesn't have to be true for you to believe it. You just have to believe it. So what I want to do today, as I said, is I want to uproot some of the most powerful lies that we believe that I think the enemy uses to corrupt our soul and keep us 
in bondage. So, last week I told you guys I had never read the book Soul Care. Uh, it's a new week this week. I'm halfway through. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so, I actually took three principles from the book uh, that I'm going to share with you guys today because uh, it just goes so well with where we're going. Just three basic lies that we believe. Three basic lies that we believe. So if you're taking notes, you can write these down. But the three basic lies we believe are the performance lie, the people-pleasing lie, and the control lie. Now, I'm going to break these down, but these are the three. Performance, people-pleasing, and control. All of these lies, they do one thing. They bring us back to our intrinsic value, and they lower it and or destroy it. They are destructive to the truth of Jesus, and they are destructive to the power that God has really dismantled that wants us to experience. The, the bad power he's dismantled, the good stuff he wants us to experience, but this and these lies hold us many times from experiencing the power of Jesus. So one of the things that we had to do in our basement is we had to go out, and the people had to go, and like, like literally everything was ripped up, but then they had to go to the walls, and they tested every single wall to see the level of moisture. And so when they found that there was an issue, what they did is they put a little piece of tape on it. And that tape signified that they were going to cut it out. So today, as I go through these things, I want you to look into your soul. And if something tinges, if the Holy Spirit does something, I want you to put a little tape in your heart and say, there's probably something there I need to work on. Can we do that? So I'm just going to really be descriptive here. So I'm just going to pray. Jesus, through your Holy Spirit right now, God, may you open our eyes. Help us to see things we've never seen before. Help us to go back to places that we don't want to go, but God, that we may find freedom from the lies that we believe. Open our hearts. Amen. So first lie is this. The performance lie. What is the performance lie? Pretty simple. My value is based on how well I perform. Now, this lie and where it comes from, again, nine times out of ten, this came somewhere from our childhood, right? My value is based on how well I perform. Now, the reason that this lie is so sticky and the reason that a lot of us struggle with this lie is because, again, nine times out of ten, you struggle with this lie because of your parents. Now, we need to give our parents grace because most of the time, they mean well. It's more so how our brains work. You see, what happens, and this is just, again, this is basic psychology and science, but positive affirmation actually has a way of rewiring our brain. And so for a lot of us, again, our parents weren't being malicious, but your entire life, all that you were ever affirmed in was something to do with your performance. Like, hey, you killed it on the stage today, or you crushed it playing hockey, oh my gosh, straight A's, here's ice cream, whatever it may be. And what happens is that our minds begin to form these scripts that say, I'm only valuable when I do something of significance. You see, it's really interesting because in the book, it talked about how children don't have the ability to disconnect bad behavior from their value. In other words, if you just like, hey, don't do this, like stop eating that, immediately they connect it to their value. And so he said to try a little experiment, and so Christy and I tried it with our kids, little guinea pigs. 
But it was crazy. We said, we were talking to both of them. We said, Abby Kensley, because Judy can't talk, so <laughs> give him a few years. We said, do mommy and daddy love you when you disobey? And they said, no. And then we had to correct it. We said, no, mommy and daddy love you no matter what you do. And we, like for 10 minutes, we tried to think of every bad thing they do. We said, do mommy and daddy love you when you wake up in the middle of the night and wake us up? They said, no. <laughs> and so we had to correct it. We said, do mommy and daddy love you when you knock things over and make a huge mess? No. And so we had to say, no, mommy and daddy love you no matter what. And it was really good for me because just as a parent, there's this natural thing where you want to correct what is wrong and affirm what is right. But kids don't have this way of being able to disassociate the two. So if someone is here today and you think your parents don't love you, maybe you need a little more grace, number one. But if you are a parent, realize, man, i got to be a little bit more intentional with my conversations. And so what happens, again, is that we begin to believe these lies. My value is based on how well I perform. Now, I'm also giving grace to parents because maybe some people have some really bad parents and it was very overt in your household. Your value is based on how well you perform. You do good, you get good grades, you are good. You do bad, don't do well, you are not good. And so what happens if that is the household that you grew up in, you are living today with the remnants of that sin. And although it's gone, it's in the past, I can guarantee you it still affects you today. What does this look like? If you're someone that struggles with performance anxiety, I would wager to guess there's probably a deep lie that you believe. If like in school, like tests absolutely wrecked you, like you couldn't even like see straight, maybe in your workplace, like the idea of you failing a task or you doing something wrong, like that absolutely rocks your world. And again, I'm calling it performance anxiety. I would suggest you probably have a deep wound from this lie that you have believed. Here's the issue, though. We know we have performance anxiety. Like, I know that I feel this way. But what happens is we only hit it at the surface level, right? So I got a big test. I got to sleep 14 hours tonight, right? Like, I got a big project like, I'm going to just, I'm going to do extra work, extra credit, make sure I do not mess up. But you know this to be true. If I'm describing you, you can do the task well. It doesn't fix the problem. It just comes back. Because the truth is this. I have begun to live with a lie that has affected my soul. And it is like mold where it is poisoning me no matter what I do. So here's the truth. We have to go deeper. We have to go to the surface. And for some of us, maybe the Holy Spirit's taking you to a place. Maybe you're in a kitchen somewhere and, and you're just remembering what your dad or what your mom said to you about a report card. Or maybe you're thinking about a task that you did at your very first job where your boss chastised you. Whatever it is, the moment where the Holy Spirit has taken you, you need to identify the lie. So, I'm going to say the lie in one simple sentence. You believe the lie that your worth is based on your work. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Here's the truth. My worth is not based on my work. 
Where does this come from? How do I know what's truth? Jesus. Romans chapter five. <clears throat> this is the verse before, or the chapter before that we're in. Verse seven says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God proved his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you got a physical Bible, you are blessed and highly favored. Underline that part. While we were still sinners. You know what that means? It means when you messed up, when you didn't do the task well, when you failed the test, when you weren't good enough, Jesus loved you anyways. My worth has been settled on the cross. I'm worth it, you're worth it. And so that lie that I believe is not rooted in any reality other than that which I give it. So if I give it power, I have the power to get rid of it. Sin has no power, only that which I give it. So I have to replace the lies with the truth. Come on. Some of us, maybe you didn't get to a place, but it's just symptoms. Like, oh, the reason I work 45 hours a day, even though there's 24 hours in the day, is I just thought I wanted money. I just thought I needed more. It's deeper. It's deeper. Someone say deeper. deeper. I, want, I want the Holy Spirit to take us deeper because there's a lie that we're believing. If we only stay at the surface, we will never have freedom. And so it's a deep work we're doing, and it's just beginning today. This is just the beginning. So that's, value, that's, that's line number one, performance lie. Here's line number two. This is the people-pleasing lie. So my value is dependent on whether certain people love or like me. So this one actually would be very similar, I think, to the performance lie in terms of where it originates. But this lie is an interesting lie because this is the lie that most of us are okay confessing out loud, right? Well, I'm just a people pleaser. I really struggle because I just, I just want to please people. But the issue and why this is toxic to our souls is because if you place your value on any person, they can give you worth sometimes, but they can also take it away. And even more than that, you're, 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 you're trying to get something from a spring that is not infin infinite. It's finite. So I can rely on people to give me value until the people themselves can't give me any more. So again, Holy Spirit's got to take us to some places. Where did this come from? Where did this, when did I start believing the lie that my value is based on whether people like me or not? Again, for some of us, man, you're going back to like the playground. You were five years old, right? Someone said something to you. Or you realize by, by being you and having your likes that certain people didn't think that was cool or popular. And we say stupid things like sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words never hurt me. No, a bone is much easier to heal than your soul. It's much easier. And so again, and I know it's not easy, and I'm not expecting y'all to start clapping your hands. But we, we got to go deeper. 
and say, why do I feel like I just don't have any value unless it's given to me by someone else? Where did that come from? Where did that come from? Because again, we hit it on the surface and I see it all the time. It's like, man, I'm just, I'm really selective now with my clients, with my company. Like I don't, I'm not gonna say yes to everyone. Like I'm just selective with my time. I have four time blocks in the week and I can hang out with you from this time to this time. And that'll solve my issue. It might help your schedule. It's not gonna solve your issue. Because it's deeper. It's deeper. And that's why for so many of us, and, and listen, I think we bought the lie that says I'm just an anxious person. I believe in the name of Jesus you do not have to live with that for the rest of your life. But you're going to have to go deep. I'm going to share a quote. I want to share it now. I can't. I'm going to share a quote in a second. It's going to help us with this. Now, culture, because this is a lie that we're really good at culture at calling out, I think culture kind of gives us a solution as well, right? It says, like, you are enough. Like, you don't need anyone. You're enough. Slay, girl. But even the solution has to come deeper. Like, I can't just be told, like, I'm, I'm good enough. Like, there has to be something that roots it in reality. And, like, I know we're past total truth, but I'm going to bring us back for just a second. If I believe I'm here by mistake, I'm a complete accident. Just a cosmic mistake, as some people call it. Then you can tell me that I have value till I'm blue in the face, but is it rooted in reality? Not really. But if I tell you what I believe is true, that there is someone that created the heavens and the earth, the birds and the sea, and he is grand, and he's beyond comprehension, yet he knows and has numbered the hairs on my head. And he says I'm valuable. He says I have enough. That can begin to, script, to change my script. 2 Corinthians 12 says, he said to me, Jesus said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. You know what he's saying? He's saying, no one can take my peace because I'm not putting it in a person. I'm not putting my value in my work. I'm not putting my value in how people look at me. I'm putting it in Jesus. And when I realize not how strong I am, but how weak I am, yet powerful through the Holy Spirit, that's where peace comes. But I have to identify the lie. And it's not just that fancy saying. It's figuring out where it came from. And that's the deep work. That's the deep work. But when I find it, I replace the lie with the truth. It says my value is not in any person, in anyone. It's in the person that created me and says I am who he says I am. That's where it comes from. So last lie is this. The control lie. And if I didn't say this, uh, we struggle probably not with one of these lies, but multiple versions of these lies, just some of us, like all three. Control lie is this. My value is dependent on me being in control or not. So we control two things. We control people 
or we control outcomes. But the dominant thing is I need control. Issue, when I don't have control, my life is filled with anxiety, fear, anger, sadness, depression, whatever it may be. And so for someone that tries to control outcomes, you do it in one of two ways, which is like I live a very safe life. Don't take risks. Don't step out of my comfort zone. Don't do anything that I know I could fail at. Or for some of us, it's like that ultra success. Like I'm going to make so much money. I'm going to have so many things that I will always be in control. Here's the problem, and we all know this to be true. It's not a matter of if, but when. There's going to come a time in your life when you no longer have control. And so what happens when you buy the lie that, like, I need to be in control, you're fine when you're in control. But when you're not in control, your life is a roller coaster. But it's the part of the roller coaster where you drop. Because the very thing you held on to has been taken from under our feet. Now, this lie, as opposed to the other two, but the other two can be true as well, but I would say the control lie usually comes with the most amount of pain beneath it. The reason we seek control is because we have been hurt in some way. This happens from abuse. This happens from abandonment. This happens from affairs. This happens in any time when something catastrophic has happened in your life, especially at a young age where you lose control. And so your body, and this is the crazy thing about how God's designed our bodies. Our bodies are designed to protect us. But we are never in submission to our bodies. Our bodies are in submission to us. But one of the ways when we lose control that your body protects you is that you just seek to gain control. And so one of the things, this is, this is the lie uh, that I would probably say I struggle with the most would be the control. Control lie. Like, I want, I want to be in control of the situation. I don't want there to be any surprises, anything that can throw me off. And so it's funny, uh, my wife and I, and I didn't ask her, so I can't talk on her behalf, but um, we are in our, in, our, in our small group, marriage group, um, just going through some of the stuff together, and we realize that we both struggle with this same lie of wanting control. Now, what I didn't realize is that the way that I manifested control for the most part, well, there's, there's many ways, but one I'll share with you guys, um, is that my body just naturally closed off. Now, anyone that knows me, you probably think, like, Harrison's not the most kind, cuddly person. <laughs> and that's true. <laughs> I remember when Christy and I first got together, uh, we were going to, to BC to see her family, and she was super excited. And she said to me, she said, are you excited? And I said to her, I said, I don't get excited. I was like, I just don't. Like, when it happens, it happens. And it was funny, and that was 10 years ago. What I didn't realize is that I was spewing a lie from hell. I just thought that was who I was. I don't get excited. But what I didn't realize is that there's a whole bunch of pain behind it, but more so lies that I was believing and trying to stay in control. And I wonder if there's someone today, maybe it's you, and everyone just thinks you're a really closed off person, 
Everyone just thinks you have no emotions, you're stone-faced, nothing phases me. I would wager to guess there's some deep pain beneath that. And I believe what the Holy Spirit wants to do is to free us. This is Rob Reimer in his book, Soul Care. He says this. And again, I'm just sharing mine, but he talks about abuse. He says people, um, and I'll clarify, I wasn't abused. Um, People who are abused, though, often give up on the hope of receiving love but they opt for control so that at least they will not suffer more abuse. It is as if they tell themselves, you may love me, but you're not going to hurt me anymore. So they choose control as a way of creating security and overcoming fears deep inside. But this is just another false foundation, and it leads to a life full of soul cracks. Unless we stand on the true foundation, we cannot have a healthy soul. And so listen, if you go through something, especially as, as a kid, your body's going to close up. It's going to shut. It's going to shut down. I can tell you, you guys have probably seen kids that are shut down, closed off. It's a defense mechanism for pain. But we can't live there forever. And we are not designed to live there forever. And God wants us to experience freedom. And if there's someone today, and I, I love that line because I just think it is so true. It's sad, but it's true. They opt for control because if I'm in control, no one can hurt me, right? One of the things, this happened in summer internship because I really like those guys. Some of them are sitting right here, but I was evaluating, like, how come I can't tell people that I like them and that I appreciate them? Like, where, like, where does that come from? And what I realized was that if I tell people I like them, they have the capacity to hurt me and they have the capacity to leave. And so you just opt for the, the easier thing. And maybe I'm sharing too much today. I'm not really sure, but I want you to experience freedom. You guys understand what I'm saying? I want, us, I want us to go deeper. Because I'm telling you from experience, there are so many things that we believe are true that are just straight lies. They're just lies. And if I seek control, I can tell you this, you're building your life on a faulty foundation. Because no one is ever fully in control. I don't have the verse, but Jesus says it like this in Luke 17, 33. He says, if you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you let go, you'll save it. If I, if I cling to that, that, that control that I think that I need, I'll never be free. So, those are the three lies. The people-pleasing lie, the performance lie, and the control lie. And I would wager to guess Many of us in this room struggle with one, two, or three of those lies. So what do we do? Back to Romans 6, verse 13, he says, Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer, look at this, every part of yourself. Again, if you've got a Bible, every part part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Listen, I can't, I can't just offer my ability to speak to God or my ability to play an instrument or my ability to be so kind and friendly. I have to give him every part of me, the deepest parts, the broken parts, the hurting parts, because he wants to redeem them. You see, one of the things we've said in this series is that um, our bodies and our souls are connected. 
And so when our bodies are feeling something, we don't actually want to ignore them. We don't want to ignore, we want to explore. Because your body's telling you something. And I, I love this. This is Thomas Merton. He's like a 20th century monk. This is the quote I wanted to share, but he says this. He says, man's intelligence, however we may misuse it. Actually, hold the key till I'm done this quote, though. I don't want anyone getting emotional. <laughs> Man's intelligence, however we may misuse it, is far too keen and too sure to rest for long in error. It may embrace a lie and cling to it stubbornly, believing it is true, but we cannot find rest in its falsehood. The mind that is in love with error wears itself out with anxiety, lest it be discovered for what it is. The first step towards finding God who is truth is to discover the truth about myself, that I have been in error, and the first step is to discover my error. So, this is, like, if you have your phone, take a picture. But let me explain this. This is what he's saying. He's saying, we can believe lies. Like, I, I can believe a lie in my soul. That, that, I, that I think is true. But we are designed for truth. Our bodies are literally designed for truth. And it will show in our physical body that I am believing lies in my soul. So what he's saying, he's saying your body will physically manifest the lies that you are believing. Is that crazy? But it's true, right? Like the term sick to death, like I'm, I'm sick and up into a point of death, literally doesn't have to be an illness. It can be in my soul. My soul. Like I, I believe in something that isn't true, and I can lie to my soul, but I can't lie to my body. Listen, we lie to our souls with food all the time. Right? This, this is okay. And it doesn't matter. You, it's a lie. You can believe it, but your body, it'll show it. That's just the truth. That's, that's a surface-level thing. You guys see what I'm saying? Yeah. The other lies that we believe, the deeper lies, they will manifest themselves in our bodies. And that is why I say boldly and freely that you don't have to deal with what you've been dealing with. But you're not going to be free hitting the solutions the way you've been hitting them. We've got to go deeper. We can play the keys now because I'm, I'm going to wrap this thing up. So here's what I want to do. Again, this is the beginning. There's more. It's the first step. If there's a lie that you've been believing, every head bowed, every eye closed. Just, just praying, Holy Spirit, take me to the place that I believe. Where is this lie coming from? I know it's hard. I know it's painful. But Jesus, I pray over every person right now. God, that they may see the lies that they've been believing. And Jesus, we just call them out. We replace them with truth that I am who you say I am. That I'm more than enough. I'm a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Jesus, I don't need control because you are in control. You are the author. You are the finisher of our faith. You know the beginning, you know the end, and you know everything in between. So right now, God, in this moment, and I want you guys, you can, you can say it out loud, you can say it under your breath, in your head. I just, I want us to repent. And all repenting is doing is turning the opposite direction and saying, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna believe that lie anymore. So Lord, we repent 
of the lies that we believed, that our value comes from our work, that our value comes from people, that our value comes from being in control. Jesus, we just repent and we just give it to you today. God, it is for freedom that we've been set free. And Lord, I'm believing for freedom in this place. In Jesus' name. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want more information about our church, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.